What are you gonna do? I ain't gonna eat cheese for no cops, and that's for sure. Welcome to another episode of Vegan Sympathizer, the podcast masterminded by Don Steinberg and featuring Vance Lumcool as the sidekick. <laughs> sidekick. Um, today we are on location. That's right. Tell us where we are. We are at Greyhound Cafe, Center City, where you can hear the hustle and bustle of just uh, things going by outside and yeah so you know that this is a real thing that vegan restaurants exist in Philadelphia oh it's so not see, just you my didn't imagination say Philadelphia so people who might not be in Philadelphia when you said Sandy City they're like um, you made that name up oh right sorry this is uh, we're 19th and Poplar in Philadelphia right. come on out and and try Greyhound at the point that you get done listening to this podcast. They do a significant number of things here with vegan cheese, which we're going to be talking about. Today's, today's our cheese issue, right? The cheese issue. We're yeah. going to address the cheese issue. I wanted to open with a quick news segment. Yeah, all right. You know, before we get into the, into the, into the cheese. Beautiful. Because um, after the last episode, but before this one, coincidentally, I found this news item that just came out December 9th, 2019, no. Smithsonian.com. It said, for the first time, researchers appear to have evidence that plants can audibly vocalize their agony Mm. when they're um, harmed yeah um, and um, they like shriek or scream in some kind of way that only the most uh, sensitive scientific microphones can yeah um, so you know when I saw that I was like alright well that's it I'm not going to be vegan anymore because what's the point if tomatoes can vocalize Right. Then I must have been wrong all this time. Well, look, so. I would, I would be remiss in my role as the, um, the defender of, of the meat um, industry products, yeah. and just as a meat eater to, to, to not bring this up and say, well, look, you know, if this um, shows that plants uh, have feelings right. like animals, then um, doesn't that um, does that create an ethical quandary yeah. for the vegans? So that's a. Uh, a beloved question. I was going to say it's a good question, but it's not actually a good question, but it is beloved. People who want to argue about veganism are constantly bringing that up. In fact, to the point that Porphyry in 275 AD had to address this question, what if plants have feelings? Yeah. And uh, he did in his, in his tract on abstinence from animal food. Eventually his answer was, eh, get out of here. Um, so... <laughs> 
Well, the Canada people. So I was like, when I used to, I used to go fishing with my dad, right? And you know? and you catch a fish, right? That's and right. they would go, fish can't feel it. You know, yeah. they don't give, they don't care. Right. And and they they don't make a sound, right? Right. I mean, there they don't go. look like they're enjoying it when they're out of the water, but. But who knows? Um, so, is it just a sliding scale, and everyone decides where, where their where their breaking point is? Well, that's a good that's that is a good question. Everyone decides. The thing about veganism is that vegans decide what vegan means and what it is, what the whole philosophy is, and where uh, we're going to, you know, center our attention and our our ethical priorities. And our ethical priorities are in those beings that are known to be sentient. And that's a very simple thing that you can say, you know, sentience is uh, the ability to suffer and to have interests uh, and or to feel pleasure. Uh, and it's something that every animal that we're talking about replacing, uh, we know it's, it's perfectly obvious that they are sentient. The thing about plants, of course, is that plants don't have a nervous system, uh, and they don't have a brain. Well, so if they do, if, you know, these, these reacting to stimulus things, if they actually do feel something and have a person in there that is feeling that, it's a very different sort of person than anything that than we are equipped to, uh, to deal with. Yeah. So most vegans don't have a problem saying, you know, that, that is definitely on the other side of a line. You know, just because some scientists like figured out a way to record a sound, that's like, oh, suddenly we think, oh, well, maybe plants have more going on than we thought. It took that little little sound. It's just like, it's like when you watch the Michael Jackson documentary. It's like you really had to see that to to, to change your mind. <laughs> you know. That's an interesting analogy. Well, not that I'm comparing vegans to pedophiles in any way, but yeah. Why does it? Why does it? Why does a plant need to communicate in a way humans can understand for us to appreciate that they're feeling pain? I mean, maybe they're silently suffering and taking it like a man, you know, like uh, right. Uh, like when you're cutting the line, it's just like oh, ooh, ow, ooh, ow, yeah. ooh, ow, ooh. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to. I mean, why do you have to? Why do you only connect that they're suffering pain because they make a sound that humans have finally figured out how to detect? Right, and the answer is that you have to draw a line somewhere if you're going to eat. There is a key difference uh, between land animals, anyway, and land plants, which is uh, the ability to move. So, if you're worried about, say, you know, a plant that has. Uh, somebody coming at it with a knife and somebody is stabbing the plant with a knife. Yeah. Um, that plant can't run and get away. If you have an animal that's why that screaming. somebody's well, that's right. They have an animal somebody you comes out with a knife and starts stabbing him, the animal can get away. And that's uh, that's why an animal has a central nervous system to communicate with his brain to say, get out of this situation. Right. And so that it makes sense for whoever created animals and plants, whether you want to go with God or nature, it makes perfect sense that, you know, these beings that have the ability to locomote uh, would have this way of, of interpreting this information that yeah. has a self attached to it because they have self-preservation. Uh, yeah. One of the first people to actually do experiments uh, to find out tomatoes could scream. And that was in 1959. And do you know who that person was? Um, yeah. Okay. 
I mean, well, let's was, move on then. It was Ted Williams. The no, it wasn't Ted Williams. It was a guy by the name of L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, really? Yeah. So perhaps, uh, I mean, I haven't looked into all the tenets of Scientology, but maybe plants feel pain is one of those. You may actually now be becoming a Scientologist without even realizing it. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of the, um, the famous cult um, um, leaders did other research before they became what they became. Oh, yeah? Can you give me an example? Charles Manson, yeah. he did a lot of um, experiments in electromagnetism. Okay. That's not as funny as I had hoped. Right. Well, you know what's funny to me is that um, why, do, do, why does the, the community that eats meat and dairy product always trying to prove that the vegans are, are hypocrites? So, what's the upside? What's the value in us doing that? Like, why well, is, that, is that a rhetorical question? Because it's obvious to us, but maybe it's not. Why do we want to do that? Because uh, vegans being able to live a relatively hypocrisy-free life while doing something that they say is ethically necessary is a problem for people who want to say, I can't do that. That's impossible. It's impossible to be ethical. It's impossible not to be a hypocrite. And if, they're, if they are succeeding, then that redounds back to the meat-eater who is, some would say, deep down really wishes that they could be vegetarian or vegan, but has too many things that they're attached to to actually, yeah. actually go there. So having, being able to say, well, you're, you know, you're not doing this, you're a hypocrite, is, uh, is one way of like, Justifying putting up a wall neither. there, yeah. It, as you mentioned, it, it redounds. Yeah. Whatever. Happens. You just like the fact that I said redound. <laughs> So, should we move on to um, tasting uh, some cheese? Yeah, man. Okay. Well, then we'll go, we'll, we'll go away and then come back. Oops. Okay. Okay. All right, we're back, and now we're... This is the exciting part where we get to eat stuff, and um, you, Vance, have brought a, a wide selection of of cheese mm -hmm. products that yep. are made from non-dairy sources. That's right. And, um, and we're also going to get a couple dishes from here at the Greyhound Cafe. Yeah. Where they so put their own cheese. Um, what, do you, what do you got? And, and you, know, um, you know, here's a fun fact about cheese that you might not know. What is that? Cheese is named after the place that it comes from. Yeah. Like um, Stilton, England, okay. Gloucester, so there's actually a town in England called Cheese. Yeah, there's a. T it's just there's a place called Cheddar, I think, and it's either na it's not named after the cheese, but the cheese was there's there's like you but know. It's like literally called Cheese. Like I'm heading over to Cheese. Do you yeah. need anything? Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Really? No, cheese types are named after oh, where they come types. from. Oh, cheese types. So like Roquefort, Camembert. Oh, from now France. I understand what you're saying. Gouda is from um, Netherlands. There's a place called Gouda in the yeah. Netherlands. Okay. That's where it's from. I think I've caught up with you now on that whole phenomenon. Velveeta. Really? Is from Florida. Really? Oh, really? It's I thought, <laughs> thought that was an Italian word, Velveeta. No, it's a little. It's a small. It's, Region outside of Miami. Okay. 
So that, right. I just thought you should know that. So now I'm wondering, since these other kinds of teases are... are well, again, we're in the, that realm where, uh, because we're, you, you want to do things that, that address things that you're used to eating, we're doing these things that are mimicking right. or replacing specific so things. Each so of the, each of these cheeses that we're ta talking about uses the name of a, of a, of a pre-existing dairy cheese. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. the, not this, I mean, but they mimic certain kinds of dairy. I mean, this is like a, this is a, a classic chives cheese that's just like a regular soft cheese. You've got some feta over here from Violife. We've got some slices of uh, jack cheese with um, uh, some kind of spicing in it, I forget, from chow. And we got Blooming White, Blooming White from uh, Conscious Cultures Creamery. Um, I think we should do the Miyoko's first only because Miyoko Shinner is the one that essentially made this entire table's worth of cheese possible. Really? Miyoko? Miyoko. Miyoko Shinner. Okay. She, um, she already had a previous life as the creator of the, uh, the Un-Turkey, which was a tofurkey type product. Uh, she did that for many years and then she was like, you know, I'm going to handle cheese. She started looking into how to make artisan cheese, soft cheeses. Now you had Dea cheese as of like 2009-2010 uh, that was doing like the shredded cheese that you could put on pizza and they were the first one that really caught hold and made people say, you know, this isn't bad. Um, but it was, you know, nobody also said, oh my god, this is the most fantastic tasting cheese I've ever had. They were just like, well, if you didn't know, you might not notice. Whereas Miyoko in 2012 uh, or maybe 2013, um, put out a book called Artisan Vegan Cheese that told people how to make all of these fancy cheeses uh, without using any dairy. And then people were like, oh yeah, if you think it's so easy, let's see you do it. So she said, I'm going to do it and put it on supermarket shelves. And she has, and now she has an empire of Miyoko's kitchen uh, cheeses, okay. Miyoko's creamery now. Well, let's yeah. do it. So let's have a little of that. So. Which is this one? This is Miyoko. So this is the classic chive. It's just called classic chive? Yeah, it's a double cream, classic chive. And, okay. this, uh, and this would be used in what situations? This is cashew base. This would be used in what situ cheese situations? What do you mean? Oh, well, for one thing, you put just it out. Just like at a party? Yeah. Okay. That's the kind of thing that you Okay, so there. you just spread that on chip? Yep. Okay. Ah, it tastes like cheese dip. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, like make a cheese ball or all right, one of those kind of things. Mm. And man, it's good. What is this characteristic that makes it cheese? Is it just that kind of stankiness that? Yeah, that culture. Ferment. Yeah, there's a whole process. You use rejuvalac and these chemicals that again cause processes, some of the same processes that are happening when milk ferments and also um, some that processes that mimic. Yeah, what's interesting is that they can take these things that seemed very associated with with milk from whatever yeah. mammal you use and then they're like, well no, we're going to totally do this on like 
what, like cash, cashew what? Paste yeah. or cashew? Well, I guess, yeah, you would want the cashews in a kind of a ground up form first. So this was made out of what? This is made out of cashews. Although a lot yeah. of this stuff is made from cashews, right? So cashews what we're actually... very, very popular for that. But, um, and here I have chow cheese without the label, so I don't even remember uh, what this was. So we're, so we we're consuming a lot of cashews, which, you know, which may feel pain when you kill them. Well, they may, although probably not, because cashews themselves are... Um, you know, they're at the end of the, I mean, that's one of the things with tomatoes, you know, fruits, fruits are the one thing that even if you're going to be an ethical plant, then you can oh, still like, eat fruits yeah, because like, the plants want you to take them. They're like hotel stationery, you know, they want you to take that. Right, right. They're, they're so, made for picking. Ah, great. All right. So now we're getting a, our first, our first right. delivery from the restaurant, from the Greyhound dish of stuffed shells. What's the, the cheese in this? It's a ricotta? Ricotta, yes sir. Okay. And is wow. ricotta also uh, cashew-based? Vegan rendition, yes sir. Okay. Wow. And what's the, what are the, that's like a chicken? Uh, yes, yeah, seitan. Seitan chicken, okay. Yep. Wow, all right. Great. Thank you. Okay. Right. We're going to have to have the chow first though, because I have it in my hand. And okay. This is, tell me, this is like a jack cheese? Yeah, I think. I had two different varieties and I did bring the label. Interesting. Mm -hmm. The first that first taste that that brings into your mouth is not a food like taste. <laughs> okay? It's almost it's like it's like um you know those rubber um, pot holders? Okay, so what, what what should we do next? We should we should eat some of this, right? Okay. This so now we have a plate, a beautiful looking plate. We should take a picture of it. Oh yeah, man. Okay, don't put your sweater in it. Don't put your sweater in it. It's got um, real pasta shells with <laughs> not real ricotta cheese mm -hmm. and real tomato sauce. You can't imagine how many tomatoes. Real tomato sauce. Screaming when they made this sauce. Um, we're gonna eat one of these okay. shells, stuffed. Side. You know, so so part of the the oh, beauty yeah. is that we're not just eating the cheese; we're eating this tomato sauce, which is the kind of tomato sauce everybody would know because mm -hmm. it's regular, and there's and a, and a big um, pasta shell filled with this um, um, ricotta with herbs in it and. So I've just eaten this, this good tasting stuffed shell without killing any animals. That's right. Wow. Well, yeah, I would hope. I mean, you can't, you can't do anything without ever being involved in something that's eventually going to involve killing an animal. Because just driving a car. Your car has... How many animals Animal do you product. kill when you drive a car? Well, it depends on how you drive. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I found that I found I found that when you're driving, it's it's kind of it's actually hard to kill animals. 
Because they just they run, they run, they get out of the way. See, but you know what? It's easy to kill when you're driving. What? Plants. Mm -hmm. You just you just come out. You just mow them right down. They can't get out of the way. Mm -hmm. That makes you wonder. I'm gonna have some of this quote chicken. Ah, I get it. Wow. Okay, we're not doing chicken this episode. Okay. So that that's a ricotta which is um, made from um, cashews. Cashews. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we should continue um, eating. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so what's the next cheese we got? Let's uh, well, let's try the conscious cultures. Tell me what this conscious. This is the one that you had a cheese um, at the Philadelphia Vegan Awards. Philly Vegan Awards. And yes. I went. I was browsing, uh, grazing at the different tables, and there was all kinds of crazy stuff. There was like fake um, uh, barbecue ribs that were made out of jackfruit, and there oh, yeah. was um, it was cannoli. It was really good. And now, and then this table, the guy had this thing that looked like brie or blue cheese, it was a soft cheese, mm-hmm. and he gave me a little piece of it, and was like, whoa, that, that was really good. And now no. you've procured a little bun of it. Um, um, that's what we, we went to, um, on the way here, we went to, tell me about that store. We went to V-Mark's The Shop to, uh, to get this cheese, and V-Mark's The Shop is down at uh, 15th and McKean, or just off of, it's like 1515 McKean. Uh, down in South Philly, just near the intersection of uh, Broad and Snyder, yeah, Broad and Snyder and Passyunk, that whole yeah. area. If you go down there and start asking, you can probably find it. But they are an entirely vegan shop that has just everything in there is vegan. So when you go in and you want to shop or something, they had you a whole look at the label. You just yeah. Grab it. They had a whole, it was all snack section. They had a whole deli case with like all, a few different cheeses and some meats. They had like a, a porterhouse steak and, and they had a filet mignon that it was like, you know, it was like a... Did they really have a filet mignon? They did, they I did. Can... It was in a little pouch and um, yeah. and they had um, all kinds of, you know, it looked like a, 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 looked like a, a gourmet shop just for, uh, just for vegan food. So... Um, Interesting, but this cheese really intrigued me. So the so here I will pick it up. All right. I mean, I'm gonna if take you want a cracker or a chip with it, you can't. All right. So this is yeah. This is what and this is like, like brie or a camembert. Or he wouldn't tell me now. Who's the guy who invented this? Stephen uh, Babaki. Okay. Yeah. And 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 he's uh, invented this way to make like a brieish. Mm-hmm. Cheese complete with the crust on the outside, yeah, the thick skin on the outside, out of cashews, out of cashews. Yeah, I want another piece of that. That in the first place. I don't know if that's the goal, but it's pass. It would pass for a a a, a brie type cheese. It's a little, it's a little more gray looking. Yeah, I guess so. It's a little more beige than it's not white, but blooming gray. Um, but wow, and can technically you can indulge in maybe a little bit more of that. You won't get that as much of the bad kind of fat for you. Um, well, that's getting into that whole healthfulness of vegan food thing. The vegan foods that expressly mimic exact things and, and replace them, they're not going to be so healthy for you as yeah. salad. 
So tell me what that was again. What's the name? This was Bloomy White. Bloomy Conscious Cult White. Screamery. Okay, so let's try um, the Violife. This is a feta cheese. Yeah. That's I call it feta, but feta, and it, you like. and, and the company, it comes in this little plastic pouch, yep. so which is like regular. So this is something you would have like in a. All right, Vance is now slicing the um, the Greek salad, the fake feta. Now it, it is a crumble. Just it doesn't. It looks a little more spongy than the regular, so it may not crumble so crumbly. But as long as it's super salty, I'll be happy. You want to use your fork on that one? Okay. Wow, it looks like a marshmallow. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right, let's see. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's 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 kind of buttery. It's not. It's a little different texture than. Feta cheese um, that I'm yeah, used to. Yeah, it's crumbly. Right. Yeah. <coughs> but, but again, uh, it's one that you would, I mean, we're kind of just having it here out of context, and I'm having it without yeah. having it anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's eatable, and I can see it in a salad or in a, um, um, a, a different salad. Let's try this. I got this jar of, of queso. Yeah. Um, it, it was in the, it was, it could be in with the salsas, except it happened to be in the vegan section, but... Um, it it looks like I tell you what it looks a little bit like um, spackle or some kind of thing that you'd use to grout your tiles, but I bet it doesn't taste as bad. Yeah. All right, well, so we have some out. chips. I'm gonna do it. This is called this is called siete cashew queso spicy franco. Okay. So it sounds super authentic. All right, well. Huh. Pretty good. Yeah, well, you know, you, you put your chip in a dip, you never know what's in the dip anyway. It could be anything. <laughs> so. I guess that's true. All right. Beautiful. Chicken cheesesteak and cheese. Oh, no. All right. Our cheesesteak has arrived. We, we're in Philadelphia, so we have to do the cheesesteak. All right. The complicating factor in a, in a cheesesteak is that we're not really testing for, tasting for the steak. We're tasting for the cheese. Right. But I, I did want to see um, what the impact was. Okay. I know you've had lots of experience. You, of the many insane projects you do, you have a, a vegan cheesesteak contest. Are you involved with that? Or is Started it, 2014, best vegan cheesesteak in Philly. Uh, started out as a daily news project, and eventually the daily news didn't seem to care about it that much, so I just kept on doing it as a Vance Lemko project. So yeah, I have now I've appointed myself the person who is the arbiter of the best vegan cheesesteak in Philly. That Although, I should stress that the process involves having independent judges in a double-blind scenario taste okay. and evaluate so I don't actually name or I just set up the whole thing so that so that it, the truth can be found that happens to you a lot what just setting things up so the truth can be found S setting things up for the for the somebody who loses interest and then you make it your own project <laughs> 
I would say, it's not like the Daily News ever had any interest. There was like five years where I was banging my head against the wall to get permission to do this right. contest in the first place. And they're like, all right, so we let you do it. But I, and I said, but people said they wanted to do it again next year. They, we like the we like the idea of the cheesesteak contest, not so much the vegan angle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So you, I don't want to. I'm going to take half. One I'm going to take half of this. Okay. Vegan um, chicken cheesesteak. Yeah. And the chicken is is. That's seitan again. Seitan. Yeah. Which is a kind of a. It's wheat gluten. A wheat gluten, and the cheese is on there, in there. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do it. It's got the All it's right. got fried onions. Yep. Philly style. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. Well, yeah. You know, I think that it reminds me of the burgers in a way. It has a lot of the same characteristics. Um, then there's there's just one like note at the end missing that would be in like meat. Oh, that's um, fecal matter. Oh, yeah, it's something about it. Just something. It is something about uh, the meat meatness and the and and the, and and the fat and the being just closer to death aspect of it. Do you think that because of evolution, there is something there was a a kind of reaction in our brains to real meat that um, as, that is the kicker to to, to uh, uh, eating a real cheesesteak. No, I don't. I think that the kicker comes from enculturation and from uh, the personal attachment that's been formed from just years of familiarity with it and associations of. Uh, situations that one was in really uh, that have positive connotations so the question is can this other food compete on that level well no it can't because you weren't eating this other food when you were six years old whereas you know it can never go back in time and be something that you're used to having eaten for your whole life so what I was going to say is that you know a, a vegan substitute for something is never going to be all the way there because you're bringing in all these other things to, to flavor it with your own, inside your own head, that um, no matter how close it is objectively, it's, it's, it, there's always going to be something, if you know that you're eating something else, that you're like, oh, no, I can tell this isn't exactly the same, so I'm not going to change. Excuse me, I don't know. I'm not, I, I, I believe that, but I also think that there might be some chemical response in our brains to meat that says, all right, you, you, you succeeded in the food chain, you killed an animal, and now you can have a nap. <laughs> there might be done. Um, in fact, I think there was a study just done on that by a man named L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a chicken cheesesteak, but none of the items were actually in that whole sentence were real. What do you mean what happened to it? What? The chicken and the cheese and the steak were all not real. Well, that's true, yeah. They, they, it, wasn't, it wasn't chicken, it wasn't cheese, and it wasn't steak. Yeah. But it was bread. Well, that's amazing. It uh -huh. was bread. Yeah. And you can make vegan bread, but we've talked about that before. Um, on the plate with 
the cheese steak are some cheese fries, mm -hmm. and they're real French fries. They're not different from regular <laughs> French fries, right? These are actually turnip-based French fries. No way. <laughs> now, how many potatoes were killed? I don't know, but the good thing about potatoes is that when they scream, they're underground, so there's no way whatsoever that you can hear them. Well, you say you don't want to eat anything that has eyes. Yeah, but again, that's kind of, I mean, that's what this this whole plant screaming discussion is, is me to say, you say you don't want to eat anything, blah, 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 well, what about this? But vegans say, well, we actually say what we eat. We're the what vegans. We get to decide what being vegan is, and this is what we say, and right. it has to do with sentience. So, right. Um, I mean, there are people who say, I don't want to eat anything that has a rectum. Um, so right there, you're off the hook with potatoes. I'm going to say that right now. Okay, let's hear you. Well, I'm going to think it. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, so thank you guys for joining us for another episode of Vegan Sympathizer. Miraculously, three episodes in the can. That's right. Whoever thought. There's no stopping us now. We'll be back. We'll be back later. I think, right. they, I think they keep getting better and worse. What about plants? What's the difference between them and that other food that we crave on day after day? So it comes up once more. What about plants? Though it never came up before. What about plants? Why should we make the slightest change if we can't be completely pure? I mean, how can we be sure? Plants don't run.